Maria. I just want to make a, a brief announcement. The month of April, uh, we felt to just make it all about relationships. And uh, just want to let you know that we have different people sharing. We'll have different people sharing through the month um, on different kinds of relationships, married relationships, with children, um, just, you know, things that you run into with your work, all kinds of situations. How many of you know it's better to get along? And uh, I heard someone say this, and, and then I saw where somebody taught on it, we're better together. Everybody say that. We're better, we're better. together. You know, we alone, we can accomplish some things, and I often look at sports. You know, there's some sporting events, golf and uh, Tennis, oftentimes, you know, you're, you're just an individual sports player. But then there's basketball. Of course, right now, everybody's got basketball on the brain that's a sports uh, person because we're getting ready to play the finals of the NCAA. But basketball, football, those kind of things are a team sport. They, they require everybody to play their part, do their what they're called to do, be who they're called to be. And in life, you know, we actually live our life, but then we live as a part of a community, whether it's a family whether it's work or whatever it is. And so I've asked already some to share, and I believe you're going you're gonna to enjoy the people who are going to share with us. And uh, the, not this Sunday, but the 10th, uh, Pastors Dan and Kelly are going to share on marriage and family. And you do not want to miss that because they have uh, an exciting family, and, and they've experienced a lot of exciting things. Uh, and they're going to they're gonna kick off that part of it. But on Wednesday nights, we'll have some panel discussions. We'll have some things. And uh, how many of you know some people who struggle with their relationships besides yourself? You, you can listen. This is somebody else, you know. Um, you know, we all know people <laughs> who are struggling in relationships. But um, I believe that God's getting us ready for what's coming. We talked a little bit about it in the last four weeks when we were in over my head. Um, you know, in relationships, it costs something to give to other people, to give of yourself. And But in order to reach others, we're going to have to make that effort. And I believe we're headed into a position where God's going to call on us to be in relationships that maybe aren't our favorite relationship, but we're going to be used in that place to the glory of God. And many people are going to come to know Jesus. So it's kind of a preparation month on, you know, how well do I uh, work together with God, with people, uh, in all kinds of relationships? I think it'll be a great time. So how are you doing in your relationships? Pretty good. Are you? Uh, I'm not up here with you, so. You what? You're on your own tonight, though. Well, I thought you wanted to stay. No. So how do we handle a relationship? How do we do? We do pretty good. Pretty good. But we're together 24-7 and have been since the day we got married. That I was have, a long time I, ago. I, the reason I came up is I have the key to a happy marriage and a wonderful relationship. Oh, well, let me hear it. Well, I've shared it with you before. You've heard it before. But I've basically just given you the freedom and understand that you have the right to be wrong. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> let's all stand. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. You might want to pray, too. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take that one, though, honey. It'll be, it'll be a fun time. It'll be a fun time. you got some really... Exciting people that are going to be sharing. We, don't we share one night or a granddaughter or what? Really? Let's see who's been asked. Who's been asked? Nobody's raising their hand. Who'd you ask? Oh, they're afraid to raise their hand. Okay, it's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's okay to make noise in church. 
It's a little quiet in here during the offering. It was a great offering message, by the way, but it's a little quiet in here. So everybody just say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Coming back next week, regardless of what you say. <laughs> Let's say it. The word of God, word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the word, I, the word. I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. You can be seated. I think I have probably told this story before. It sounds like a joke, but it's actually a true story. Happened to Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I I don't remember the exact details, but I think it was a second grader, might have been a third grader, but had gone home, gotten into a little bit of trouble with his mom and dad. And his dad, uh, back there, we you know, used the rod of correction uh, occasionally, uh, the parents did, and um, not beat a child, but use the rod of correction, as it says in the Bible. And, and, uh, and so this little child's dad said, uh, you are just acting up, and you are not doing what we're told you to do, and I'm going to give you a couple squats tonight. And the little child looked up at him. He was a student at Victory Christian School and, and shared instantly, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And the dad just looked at him, got a big smile on his face, and I don't think the rod was ever used. It wasn't a rod in the first place. But it, the, the child was learning the Word of God. And it's so important that we understand the Word of God. How many of you can think back to the time when you started getting a revelation of the truth of the Word of God, and it began day by day to change your life. Can I see your hands? I I, I can remember when we first went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, not that we didn't hear the Word of God here. We did through Pastor Charles Hackett when I had just gotten saved, but it wasn't until we arrived in Tulsa that I heard something that I wondered where I've been all my life. I just never understood what the Word of God meant. Number one, I never read the Bible. Number two, I wasn't raised in church. I had great parents, but I just didn't understand the importance of the Word of God. And tonight, if you've been here with us on these Wednesday nights, we've been doing a series on the authority of the believer. If the Bible is true, everybody say, it is. is. A little louder, it is. is. If the Bible is true and if the Word of God is true, then we should be walking in victory in our lives continually because of what God did in this country, in our lives, in our families, and really around the world. That was God's original plan. But what has happened, I believe, is that the devil... The same devil that stole the Word of God in the Garden of Eden is still walking about as a proverbial roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. And how does he do it? We're going to talk about it tonight, but he does it by stealing the Word of God from you and I. Now, we're not going to go through all those scriptures tonight. You can read those at your leisure, but I encourage all of you sometime. uh, How many of you know what a concordance is? How many of you are not sure what a concordance is? A concordance is a list of all of the words in the Bible. You can pick it up on the Internet, on an app. You can pick it up in a book form at, at Carpenter's, uh, Carpenterson, not Carpenterson, uh, whatever it is, the Christian bookstore. I'd probably pick it up at other bookstores, too. And sometime, just go to the W section to Word and Words and look and read the Scriptures in the Bible as to what the Word of God says about you and I. When, when we were in Tulsa, uh, God opened a lot of doors for us, and he opened doors that I just really wanted to say, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because I know I don't know what I'm doing. And it seemed like the doors just continued to open, and, and, and the pastor began to refer people to me 
that I just fell out of my element as far as dealing, dealing with them and phone calls would start coming into me. And it forced me to get into the Word of God. But one day I saw this book in a Christian bookstore. And it was a blue book. I forget exactly the name of it. But it was scriptures for every occasion. And I started looking through it for headaches, scriptures, for different types of ailments, scriptures. And it was A to Z. I bought that book and I put it in the right-hand drawer of my desk. And I'd get these phone calls and somebody would be telling me about something they're going through and I'd be flipping through the A to Z, listening a little bit to what they said, but looking for what they said by A to Z. And, and, and by the time they got finished, I would read them the scriptures and I would share with them and pray for them on the phone. And they would tell me how much I really helped them like I was somebody, but all I was doing was going A to Z. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's very simple. It's not you doing the work. It's the Word of God doing the work through you as you impart it to other people. And, and I remember somewhere, you know, I've misplaced my blue book. I just happened to think about that. But somewhere I've got that blue book. But it used to help me so much when I would instantly go to that and say, this is the challenge. This is what the Word says. The issue is settled. As a matter of fact, let's say it. The Word says, the word says. issue settled. And that is scriptural. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So what we're going to look at today if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, probably a familiar scripture to you in this church. But I believe that the message tonight, and if you've been in any of the VBI sessions that I've had when we had the live class, uh, and then even probably in some of these, I'll say this is the most important thing you really need to get. Well, tonight is the most important thing. You are here at the right night. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're here the right night. I believe that if we're going to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life, this is our number one priority above everything else. And you might say, well, now, wait a minute. There's a lot of things in the Bible of what God has to say. But I believe that your number one priority in your life is to live the Word of God. You can't live what you don't know. And my life was a shambles. It was picking up when I married Pam, but still, I had a lot to learn. You were way ahead of me in the Word of God. You know, you'd been saved for a long time, and, and you know, I was just new in the things of God, and, uh, but my life was really un unsteady. It was very unsteady. Would you say that's true? Not really bad, just kind of true. Uh, but the, the, you know, she had just married me, and I'm sure she wondered, what the heck did I do? I thought God said this. But no, I was, I was really kind of an emotional basket case sometimes. That One day I'd be on, the next day I'd be off. When I'm on, I was really on. When I was off, I was really off. Can I see the hands can relate to that? Now, the reason is because you're not living the Word of God. Emotionally, you are not a basket case, or emotionally you're never out of control if you live the Word. But if you don't live the Word, you will be subject to your emotions. And you have emotions that are wonderful. Everybody, please raise their hand. You have wonderful emotions. Raise your hand and say, I have, I have. Wonderful, wonderful. God-given emotions. God emotions. Now everybody raise their hand. I have some that I detest. You can go berserk at a moment's notice. You know who you are. You know what you do. And it is not the fault of the devil. Turn to your neighbor. Say, stop blaming the devil. Because if you're going to blame the devil, 
then you have to say that the Word of God is not truth because Jesus defeated the devil, defeated powers and disarmed powers and principalities, gave us the victory, and said, now you have the authority and the power and the dominion on this earth, restored what Adam and Eve had before the fall. So therefore, the devil has no power over your life. Let's all say, the devil has no power over me. Now, what we would like to do is to have the devil stop talking to us. I don't believe that's ever going to happen because he does walk about. Now, when I say talk to us, I'm talking about your thought life. How many of you know the devil speaks to you through your thought life? All of us have that same challenge. If we're living the word, he will retreat from us. If we're not living the word, he will hang around and go to the next level. Can I see the hands of all the people? He's going to the next level in your life a few times, and you wish he hadn't. Because we start to dialogue and entertain his thoughts. Now, this is the scripture that I believe is one of the most important scriptures, if not the most important scripture in the whole Bible. And you might say, well, How can you say living the word is more important than loving God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul? Because Jesus responded when he was asked the question, what's the most important commandment? That was the most important commandment, but loving God with all of your heart, all your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength is living the word. Turn to your neighbors. It's living the word. In other words, it's doing what I said I would do based on what the will of God was. God tells us what to do. And he's not a taskmaster that he makes us do it, but he doesn't bless us when we're disobedient. He blesses us when we're obedient. And in the world today, I I, I can't put my finger on it exactly. All I can tell you is what I feel on my spirit. In the world today, we are suffering from obedient attitudes. We are suffering from people who will submit their will to a higher will, Everybody seems to want to do their own thing. Can I see the hands of all the people? You feel that, or is it just me? That people just want to do their thing. They want to be in control themselves. They want to, they want to do whatever their self wants to do. They're self-centered, self-willed, and self-seeking in all of their ways. The Word of God says... That when people live like that, when a society lives like that, when a country lives like that, they will fall because it says the devil and every evil war will come in. James chapter 3, verse 16. I believe in this nation today, we are living in James 3, 16. I really do. I believe every evil work is present in the United States of America because of what we have allowed to happen through our political system, through our spiritual system, through our churches of not standing up and taking control. I was with someone just the other day, and they said, we don't talk about politics and religion. Folks, we should talk about politics and religion because that's what runs this country. The political process should be based on the church and should be based on the Word of God and what our original intent was. What was our original intent? Don't have time to do it tonight, but if you go back through the uh, Christopher Columbus and the diaries of his trip, if you go back to the Mayflower contract, uh, a compact, this country was set aside to be a light to the world and to, sp- and to light, bring forth the light of Christianity to the entire world. That intent by God, I believe, has never changed. Going to see the hands of all the people. You think that intent is still the same. Our Supreme Court doesn't think that. By the way, the Supreme... Well, never mind. I don't want to go there. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. 
Glory to God. I believe the one Supreme Court justice is in heaven, but I think he went too soon, uh, Scalia. But oh my goodness. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus had been led uh, up by the Spirit into the wilderness, and, and he was tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and, and 40 nights. And then in verse number 4, this is, is and, and in Luke chapter 4, Jesus answered when he was tempted by the devil and said, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many words? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's not talking to you and to me about memorizing the whole Bible, although that would be great. He's talking to me and you about us living the Word of God as it pertains to us by the leading of the Holy Spirit and by reading the Word of God so that we can be full of the Word of God and then enact and live the Word of God. Tell your neighbor, you are called to live the Word of God. No one can live what they don't know. Our schoolhouses in America used to be run by the pastors. It used to be part of the church, and they would teach the Word of God. The early primary books that were used were Christian-based books talking about Scripture, and that's what children learn, Scripture, over and over and over again. I was just sharing with my wife today. We were talking about some families that they've, they've, they're just not really getting into church like they should with their young children and I said, I wonder how God looks at a family that will not see to it that their children are learning the Word of God on a regular basis. Because in our school system today, all they're learning is secular things, with the exception, I'm sure, of Faith Christian School, Lafayette Christian School, and some other schools around the nation that are doing the same thing. But wouldn't you say that for the most part, secular society has moved totally away from anything to do with the Word of God, and it's whatever feels good, do it. All you got to do is look at some of the things going on in California right now with the... Uh, I don't want to go there. Glory to God. <clears throat> we won't go there. Everybody say, live the Word. Now, uh, let's, let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures here. In, um, it, we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to talk about what Jesus had to say about the seed of the Word of God. And we won't go through all of these scriptures, but I do want to share with you. Uh, how many of you remember um, uh, Anita Bryant? How many of you are old enough to remember Anita Bryant? Anita Bryant was... Uh, a I never met her. I didn't know who she was, but she was a, a singer and, and just a really, do you raise your hand? Ross, Ross, Ross probably said, who's she? <laughs> the, but, but the reason I bring it up, she was a representative. She was a singer and a performer, but if you remember, she was a representative, a national representative and spokesperson for Coca-Cola. And she was being interviewed, uh, honey, help me if you remember, but I think it was way back in the 70s, a long time ago back in the 70s. She was a, a very outspoken Christian, and she was being interviewed on a, on a network, and they said, what do you think about the Word of God? I'm paraphrasing some of it because I don't remember the exact interview. It was so long ago. But she said, well, the Word of God is truth, and people should do what the Word of God says. And said, so, well, what do you think about homosexuals? And she said, well, I think that's sin, but we love them. 
Now, that's basically what she said, that it's sin. Now, everybody say sin has never changed. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's grace has not done away with sin. Sin is still real. God's grace is his unmerited favor, but sin is sin, and it doesn't change the definition of sin. And therefore, we understand the difference between the two. She was ostracized. She was uh, blacklisted from all professional performances. Coca-Cola dropped her national contract immediately, and she had death threats and had to get bodyguards. What did she do? She lived the Word of God. It will cost you to live the Word of God. Turn to your neighbor. It'll cost you. Now, nobody likes to offend people. Everybody likes to be liked. I understand that. But we don't want to have a man-pleasing spirit where things are not what they should be. And the Holy Spirit gives us the unction. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. To say something based on the Word of God, what should we do? We should say it because we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're going to live the Word of God, and whatever God tells us to do, we're going to do. But that takes a boldness on our part to realize that God has me here on assignment. He has you here on assignment to do what He shows you to do and to live His Word. Now, if we do this, we can influence people and help people to be all that God's called them to be. Can you say amen to that? Now, in Mark chapter 4, I'm just going to paraphrase all of it for time's sake, but Jesus was, was giving a parable, and in the parable, he was talking about the farmer and the seed sown and, and what happened to the various forms of the seed. And, and the disciples came to him and said, you know, we don't, we don't totally understand this. We, we, we don't understand how this all works. And, and so then in verse number 13 of Mark chapter uh, 4, Jesus said, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all of the parables? And Jesus taught a lot by parables. The sower sows the word and these are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown when they hear the word doesn't say the word in your bible but when they hear the word satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts now what is the devil after he's after the word how many of you have ever been in here on a sunday please raise your hand whether Pam and I are ministering or whoever it was that was ministered, and you were just really blessed, just felt on top of the world, got set free or whatever, you know, things went on, and then you go out there in your car, and an hour or two later, you're right back to the basket case that you were before. Can I see your hand? Let's all say it. Been there? Done that. It's happened to every single one of us at one time or another. You walk out of here and say, that was the best message I've ever heard. Glory to God. And then, bam, we come face to face with something that the devil is trying to do. What's he trying to do? Steal the word. The more word that you have in you, the more threat you are to the devil, and the more he will come against you through people, through situations, and through circumstances. Why? Because he wants to steal the word. Because if you meditate the word long enough and often enough, you will believe the word. And if you start to believe the word, see, you can meditate and speak the word of God and not believe the word of God. How many of you know that's true? 
You can say it, and you haven't really believed it. It hasn't become a revelation in your spirit. Once it becomes a revelation in your spirit, the devil knows he's in trouble because the Word defeated the devil. And when you live the Word and breathe the Word and eat the Word and act like the Word is true, you are doing what God told Joshua to do in Joshua 1, 8, and 9 when he said, Joshua, you meditate the Word of God day and night. You will make your way prosperous. Who makes your way prosperous? You do if you're living the Word. It's the Word that does it, but you have to live the Word. If you try to be blessed by God separate from living the Word, it will not work. You can have prosperity on your own. You can have limited success on your own, but you will never be fulfilled until you live the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? So therefore, the devil is coming constantly to steal the Word of God. Now, let me show you how he worked. You all know this, but in Genesis chapters uh, 3, 1, 4, and 5, you've got it on your list there. That's when Jesus, uh, excuse me, when the devil came to Eve and has God really said, God knows in that day that you'll be like him, you will not die. Number one, the devil comes to question God or to question the word of God. Well, is that really true? I mean, will that really work for you? It worked for somebody else. But, you know, how, how many of you know what I'm talking about when you entertain questions that you didn't ask yourself? that the questions are coming. Well, will they ever get it? Well, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Um, I, we just got word tonight or, or today that some of you know about our nephew that we've been reaching out to quite a bit in, in Denver, and we just found out today he's back back in jail and facing some big stuff this time. And uh, and I thought, oh, God, and part of me feels like crying. Part of me feels like, oh, the heck with it. Uh, you know, you can't you can't do everything for everybody other than just try to do. But this is what I heard in my spirit. In my spirit, he's where he belongs. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't understand that. I don't want him to be in jail, but I also don't want him to be out on drugs on the street sleeping on the corner. So this is all I heard. He's where he belongs. That brought peace to me, even though I'm sure it's not bringing peace to his mother. But that's the word I heard. Everybody say the word. Sometimes we try to live the word that is written instead of the current manna of the word that the Holy Spirit is giving us to back up the word as it's written. Does that make sense to you? In other words, you can't go out and speak to a wall and tell the wall to fall down unless God told you to. You can stand all night long and talk to a wall to fall down, but Jericho is probably not going to fall down for you unless that's the way God wants to do it. So, in other words, you have to have current manna. Everybody say current manna. In other words, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? What is in your prayer journal that the Lord has shown you to do today? This is what this morning when I was reading. Now, remember, we're called to, to live the Word. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're called to live the Word. This is what I felt in my spirit today when I was out praying. Be firm. Be loving. This is about situations and circumstances, so there's a lot more to that. Be firm, be loving, be full of compassion for all people. Too many of my people are loving, but not firm. Too many of my people are compassionate, but not firm. Too many of my people are firm, but not loving and compassionate. Now, that may seem like a bunch of double talk to you. That's what I believe the Spirit of God was speaking into my spirit today. And I know, everybody say, I know. I know what that means to me. I know what that means to me. How many of you realize you have some things that you've heard 
you may know it was from God or you may wonder if it was from God, but you know what you heard. Can I see your hands? That is the word that you are assigned by God to live because he knows what you're about to face. He wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. And where is all truth contained? The word of God. The word of God. And the minute families separate from the word of God, the minute family uh, 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 countries separate from the word of God, they begin to go down. That is what happened continually when you study God's children the, 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 the people of Israel, the Jewish people, when they served God, they always were blessed. And when they did what God said, they were always blessed. And the blessings of God came upon them and overtook them, Deuteronomy chapter 28. But when they stopped doing what God told them to do, they started to decline. The same thing is true in every one of our lives. Now, why is that? Is God up there holding this word over us like a hammer? No way. His power is in his word. Tell your neighbor, the power is in God's word. So therefore, when the word of God goes into play, the power of God goes into play. But if the word of God is not going into play, the power of God's not going into play. And you can try and try and try to get something to happen, but if it's not God's will, it's not going to happen the way you want it to. You can try to knock that door down, but the word of God says God opens doors no man can shut. God closes doors no man can open. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says the word of God is more powerful than any two-edged sword. God is spirit. Let's all say that. So therefore, God's word is spirit. It's a spirit that is birthed. When God said it, that settles it, and the issue takes place. God said, and it was. We talked about that already. God said, it was. God said, it was. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, we are to be imitators of God as dear little children. If God said it, that settles the issue. Now, I'll tell you this. If you will live the word of God, make a decision. Whatever word you have, you may not have the whole word memorized. I don't think anybody does. I know I don't. But, 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 but the word that you have that God has shown you and quickened you to, if you'll start to live that word, you will become a lightning rod for the devil. And he will come against you. Can I see all the hands of the people? You know exactly what I'm talking about. And, but what you've got to do is to be firm to stand on what the Word of God says, realizing that you have the power of the Word of God and that you mix that with faith, knowing that that Word is powerful and it is spirit and it is active and it is alive. And whether a person receives the Word or not, We'll take Ryan over here. Ryan, you're 14, aren't you? Ryan and I have had lunch together only once. We're going to do it twice, but we haven't done it yet. But I'm, I'm going to give you a call tonight or tomorrow. But, but Ryan has the Word of God in him. Is that correct? Is that correct? You, you nod your head up and down. That, this way, okay. He has the Word of God in him. He's only 14. How many of you would like to be 14 and do it all over again? Knowing what you know now, wouldn't you like to be 14 and do it all over again? Ryan says, eh, give me a break. It's not that big a deal. But I'm telling you what, to be 14 and do it all over again. He's getting the Word of God. Now, does he always live the Word of God? I don't know. Ryan, do you always live the Word of God? Not always. Okay. Very honest. Give him a hand. Very honest kid. But guess where the Word of God is? It's in him. Ross, you're getting too old to use for an example, but that's all right. <laughs> how old were you when you started coming here? 
Seven years old? Seven years old. Glory to God. Must be something going on here. How old are you? How old? Oh, my goodness. That's 26 years. Jeez, I've aged, I mean, I have an age. He sure has, though. He's, <laughs> I, said, I really said it truthfully, but I didn't say it the way I meant to say it. <laughs> 26 years. I didn't realize that. I don't know that much about Ryan, but I really like Ryan. I love Ryan. I really do. He, I think he's a good kid. Good kids don't always do good things. Can you see the hands of all the people that are good kids? <laughs> you, you, you don't always do the, good, the same thing. But the good news is that if you have the Word in you, you are not going to depart from it. And it says that in Psalms that, that when you raise up a child in a way that they should go, they'll not depart. I know a whole lot of kids, including my own, that have departed from the Word of God. So it's like, is that Scripture really real or not? No, the seed that is in them, they can't depart from. They can't get that seed out. That seed is down in there. That seed will never, ever leave them. That's why sometimes people in a moment's notice will have that, what they call it, epiphany. What they're basically doing is the Word is just overtaking them. They're tired running from the Word of God, and they give up, and they let go, and they let God do what He wants to do. And that's exactly... What's going to happen in Ryan's life? That's exactly what I think is happening in Ross's life. Is that right? I should, is this your girlfriend, fiance, or what? What a girlfriend? Okay, is he behaving himself? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm believing you. I, she, first of all, she went the hundred percent. Now she's backtracking. Now I believe you. Now I like her. <laughs> Somebody tell me Ross is running a hundred percent. I say, oh my goodness. Now, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But you get to that point when the Word of God becomes so real in your life that when you miss it, you go right back to it. Now, in, in God's Word is, is His power delegated to us through Jesus. And I'm not going to go through all these scriptures with you. But Jesus was the Word made flesh. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What was the truth? It was the Word of God. Pilate came to Jesus. Actually, when Jesus was before Pilate and Pilate was explaining to him about the truth, and Pilate asked a, a really interesting question. I believe it's true for the world today. I really believe it's true for the world. Our nation, our pol politicians, people around the world, Pilate responded and said, what is truth? People don't understand truth today. The truth is that, oh, no, 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 no. The truth is relevant to the situation. That is dumb. What was that class you used to teach uh, over at Purdue, Thelma? Yeah, but when we'd be together sometimes. Ethics and integrity. And, and, and Thelma would, would invite me over there to her class and would teach it. And there was always somebody that, you know, you got a pastor here talking the Word of God. Give me a break. This is a school, whatever. But, but I'd say 90% of the, show, uh, the, of the students over there, would say, this was awesome. I never thought about this, that, that, that integrity and ethics are absolute. They are not situational. Turn to your neighbor and say, ethics are not situational. And turn back and tell me, and integrity is not situational. It's not based on the situation at hand. It's based on the Word of God. But if you take the Word of God out of the equation, then everything becomes situational, and that is not the way God intended it. And then it goes on to say one of the, power, one of the first scriptures I really learned was, uh, I mean memorized, 
was John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. And it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And right along with that is John 14, 14, talking about the Word of God. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, when I first got saved, I had a lot of debt, and I wanted a Lincoln Continental. And I thought God was really blessed to have me on his team. I know that sounds prideful and arrogant. I'm telling you, that is exactly how I felt. God, you got me now, and we're going to do some stuff. I never got out of debt the way I thought I would because I asked him to get me out of debt. It took 20, 20 years, well, maybe not quite that long, but it took a long time, 10 or 15 years to take care of my message, and I never got the Lincoln Continental. Why? Because it wasn't God's will. And then I would look at the Word, and i said, say, well, wait a minute. It says, if I ask anything, he's going to do it. I thought, now I know this sounds silly to you. I thought God was working for me. And that whatever I wanted, he was going to do. Have any of you ever had that thought, or am I the only one? Thank you for letting me be the only one. (laughs) But that's what I thought. I thought, this is a great deal. Because I was reading the Word of God, not based on the spirit of the Word of God, but based on me and what I wanted. But the Word of God says that he will give us the desires of our heart, meaning he puts those desires in us. My desires today are not what they used to be. How about yourself? Haven't your desires changed? Your desires change based on the Word of God and living the Word of God. I don't desire the things I used to. What I desire and what you should desire is what is God speaking to you to do? Uh, God spoke to us to build a home for Stanley over in the Sudan, $50,000. God, I thank you that the money's all there because you gave us the project. Therefore, it's your responsibility, not holding him accountable, but it's his responsibility to pay for. We'll do what he tells us to do, but all we have to do is follow the leading of his spirit. And all of that money came in in, what, four, five, six days? All the money came in. By the way, all the money has been transferred with the exception of $1,000. The well is just about finished building. Now they're going to do the floors and pour all the rest of it and give the Lord a hand. It's just going (laughs) magnificent over there. Because our desire lines up with the will of God. When your desire, pray you'll never forget this. When your desire lines up with the will of God, the power of God goes into play when you speak the word of God. John Osteen said this. I've quoted it many times in our church. He's in heaven now, Joel's father. But he said one day, I used to pray and plead with God to bless this plan and bless what I'm wanting to do and bless what I'm trying to do. And he said one day the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, John, get my plan. It's already anointed. It's already blessed. You won't have to pray so long. Now, everybody say, prayer is good. Turn to your and say, say, prayer is good. But I don't believe that you have to pray 24 hours to move God's hand to do what God wants to do. Does that make sense? To move God's hand to do what God wants to do. I believe God wants somebody to line up with his will, but I believe a lot of times we try to pray for something that we want that is not God's plan. And therefore, it seems like his hand is not moving. 
And I'll share this story briefly with you. I hope briefly. Most of you have heard the story, but Pam, the, 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 when I was praying before the service, the, the one that just kept coming to me was Billy Joe out there in Tulsa. When the ministry was in debt, he'd borrowed money, went to the bank and borrowed money. Can I see the hands of all the people who know somebody who went to the bank and borrowed money? Thank you. It's always funny when, when it's like, how many want to be blessed by God? And the hands go up like this and say, how many of you did something that they know it was them and not the other person I'm talking about? And the hand goes up like this, but that's okay. But anyway, <laughs> but, but when we were out there, and Billy Joe was $3 million in debt, praying and trying to keep the ministry afloat. And the interest on the debt was eating the ministry alive. And finally, one day, God spoke to him in the middle of the night and said, you have missed my plan. He had a good plan in motion. Everybody say a good plan. But it's not God's plan. You can have a good thing going for you, but is it really a God thing? And when it all came to light to him by the Holy Spirit, he realized he had made a mistake. He was $3 million in debt. And he was praying for God to take care of the $3 million and take care of it. But God said, no, I never called you to build the building here. He had bought an air dome, had it on the property, sitting there. I don't know how much money was invested in that. Anyways, $3 million in debt. He put up a used car dealership that was remodeled to look like a church up for sale. And everybody in the community said, you'll never be able to sell this. And we were $3 million in debt. And when Billy Joe finally stood before the Lord and said, I repent, I have made a mistake. He stood before the congregation and said, I repent, I've made a mistake. God sent Sam Walton down Lewis Avenue in Tulsa, Oklahoma, saw the place, asked how much they wanted and said $3 million. They're in debt. They're having challenges. He said, give them $3,100,000 in one day that ministry had a thousand dollars hundred thousand dollars in the bank three million dollars was wiped out why because they got in line with the word and they lived the word of god we all make mistakes tell you everybody makes mistakes but don't be so prolonged in your mistake to stay in it sometimes we just need to say god have i made a mistake and guess what god will do when you ask him if you made a mistake He'll tell you. And sometimes you already know this. You don't even have to ask God if you made a mistake because you already know you made a mistake. And what happens then is we repent of it, we turn around, and we get moving in the right direction. Now, Jesus lived in the power of God's Word. And if you study John 5, 19, John 5, 30, and then the Garden of Gethsemane, Pam had a great message Sunday, and she talked about, uh, about the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Matthew 6, 10, it's not on your notes, but I'd write that down there. Matthew 6, 10, is that not my will, but your will be done. When you reach the point in your life when you no longer want to be in control of your life, but you want God to be in control of your life, that is exactly where he wants to be. He wants to show you everything. And that if we will pray every day, every day, all day long, God, not my will, but your will be done. You know, if you're out shopping for, a, I don't know, a shirt, a sweater, I, I know some people pray about all that. When I first met Pam, Pam prayed about everything. We'd be driving down the street, and, and, and she'd be praying for a parking spot. And I'd say, that's a waste of time. You know what happened? car pull out right up front. We'll pull right in. I said, hmm, this, I'm going to hang out with this girl. <laughs> and then, and better than a handicap sticker. And, and so I, but, but I mean, I, I would see it happen. I would see it happen. And, I, and, and, and 
even to this day, sometimes for me, I think that's silly. Besides, you need the exercise anyway. She'll pray for a parking spot, and she'll get a parking spot. Duh, maybe if we all prayed for a parking spot. I don't know how it works. All I know is it works. But if we get to the point when we're dedicating our life, I mean, back to what, you know, you're buying a shirt. Do you buy a white one or a blue one? You know, does it really matter? Well, the ramifications of buying a wrong color shirt are not necessarily long term. Does that make sense to you? However, habit is long term. Every decision that you make will eventually become a habit in the way you make the decision. Every thought and response that you have will eventually become a habit, and that you will habitually respond the same way. How many of you know there's some areas in your life where you have a habit? Some good, some not so good. It takes a while to break a habit, but if everything that you do is based on the leading of the Holy Spirit and based on living the Word of God, and you say, well, how can you always know it's God? I don't. There are times I make mistakes, but I know what I think is the will of God. Does that make sense to you? Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what you think. I know what I think. Now, I've been on rabbit trails before, just like Billy, never to the tune of $3 million, but I've been rabbit trails before where what I did I thought was God, only to find out later it wasn't God, but my heart was right because I thought it was God, and I watched God bless me in the process because he'll cover your back if you're living his word. And if you make a mistake and he knows you made it with a pure heart, he's not going to come down and punish you. He's going to come down and help you and correct you so you can get back on track because he knows he can use you. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, can God really use you? Now, if we go on here and we look at a few things here, every moment, every decision becomes a habit if you're being led by the Holy Spirit. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You hear that continually in this church. Uh, we all have the measure of faith, Romans 12.3, Romans 10.17 is the scripture I just gave you. Uh, and when we walk by faith, we speak to the mountains. In other words, anything that gets in the way of God's will of what you are pursuing you speak to the mountain, it will be gone. It will be cast into the sea because you do not doubt, but you believe in your heart, this is the will of God, and I refuse to back away from it because I know God is going to bring it to pass. Now, when you live your life like that, Hebrews eleven six says, faith pleases God. What is faith? Faith is merely living the word of God. In other words, you are living what God said, and God knows he's going to be able to bless you, and God is pleased. God is ultimately a God of love. He is love, and therefore, God loves blessing your children, blessing his people. His, so, so when we do what God says, he, his blessings pour out on us, and therefore, he is pleased. So turn to your name and tell him, God is pleased when he can bless you. That is God's ultimate desire. Now, we're going to close with this scripture in John chapter 16. I believe, along with the other scriptures that we have uh, studied and, and, and shared over this course, that this is one of the most important in the whole Bible. When Jesus was here teaching, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Talks about that in Luke and in Matthew, that the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit was in Jesus. The fullness of the Holy Spirit had not been poured out on all of mankind. It was just in Jesus. But Jesus said, 
that it is better for you that I go away to the disciples. He said it in Matthew chapter 16 earlier on. He says, it's better for you that I go away. Well, how could it be better that Jesus is gone? He said, then I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with all of you. You will have the power, the authority, and the dominion that I walked in if I go back. Kind of like a tag team thing. I'm going back, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come and take my place, and I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father until I come back and rapture the church. That could be any minute based on a lot of people that I respect. So in John, it's all summed up in John chapter 16, verse 13 and 15. This is what Jesus said. However, when the Spirit of truth has come, that has already happened. Everybody say, it's already happened. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and give it or declare it to you. And then it goes on to say, all things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine, and he will give it to you. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus walked in, living the Word of God because he was the Word of God made flesh, he's going to send that Spirit, and it's going to be in every single one of us. That's where 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 comes. The, the, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You are to be led from inside, from the current manna of the Word of God, and from the written Word of the Word of God, and that you live whatever God shows you, and that becomes a habit in your life. That becomes the desire of your life. That becomes your renewed mind. That becomes everything to you. And that everything you do is based on the written word of God and the current leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I share with you often, and if you haven't done it, you need to do it. Get a prayer journal and figure out for you when is the best time to hear from the Holy Ghost. When should you begin to write it all down? The moment you hear, obviously. But carry the prayer journal everywhere you go that you can so that you can record the current manna. Because what will the Holy Spirit do? He will lead and guide you into all truth. He will tell you the will of God. He will show you what to do. He will show you how to do it. It won't happen on your time frame, but it will happen on his time frame. Let's all stand to our feet. God has a plan for each and every one of you, and you are valuable to God. And I shared this many, many years ago, and Tom Blumling gave, made a little sign for me to put on my wall, but it was basically Romans 8.28, and it says, all things will work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I believe another way you could say that scripture is everything you've ever experienced, God is going to use it for good in your life if you will make a declaration that you'll live the word of God. But if you won't live the word of God, everything you've been through will pull you back down at a moment's notice because you'll start to go back to regrets, challenges, situations, circumstances, things that have been done to you, things you've done to others, and you'll meditate on what, the, uh, on what the devil is trying to tell you. But your meditation should be pure and holy before Almighty God, only entertaining thoughts that you know come from the Word of God and come from the will of God, and anything else you get rid of because that came through the old man. Can you say amen to that? 
Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to pray for anyone that may be here that has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The most important question you'll ever answer is, where will you spend eternity? Do you know if you died tonight, you go to be with Jesus? If you're here and you're not sure, this is the time to make that decision. 